Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com, where there is two plus years of audio podcasts there that you can peruse at your discretion. And uh, of course, the stuff here on the YouTube channel where more lengthy teachings and series usually land in video form. Subscribe, share, all those things. Um, today is going to be another installment of a more lengthy topic. This is going to be another multi-part series for sure. And so stick along today. And this is going to probably, again, challenge your belief system. Not necessarily from a doctrinal standpoint, although we will knock on the door of some things that are going to be pretty tough for some people to entertain as a possibility. But today I want to I want to present something to you that I feel I, I am convinced that the the father is wanting to reveal to his children in this hour. 2021 is now almost a month in. A lot of just ridiculous things have been taking place in the the nations. Um, I live here in America, of course, in the southeastern United States and. The world I live in, people in the church and out, are very shaken, very chaotic, very fearful. Now, their verbiage may look strong, may look like, hey, we're, we've got this. But deep down inside, I'm finding those who are, who are truly willing to say it, they're saying, deep down, I'm really afraid. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my liberties, my freedoms, my comforts, and I just don't like it, so I'm scurrying around to preserve what? What? What did we say? My identity. That was all throughout the Inhabitants series that we posted. And if you don't want to watch the 12 or 13 hour version of the entire series, go to the condensed form version that we'll link to here on the video and you can find a more bite-sized version of what we presented about the pagan and idolatrous founding and um, the foundation of this nation being set for judgment, and why that's what's coming to the church right now for her good, again, using the pattern in Genesis 26. We have no time to start over there. Now, the title today is going to sound kind of big and flashy. I love titling episodes, writings, articles, anything I've ever done. I've always enjoyed words. And so today is kind of a weighty topic, it's, and it's a, it's a weighty title as well. And I did it on purpose because I want you to be intrigued at, like, what is he going to present? Now, again, it sounds kind of heady. It sounds like, wow, philosophical, but I'm a normal guy. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm a deep thinker, but I'm no, I'm no super smart, you know, educated guy along the lines of, of, of reasoning and, and psychology and all these things. But there's something I'm going to present in this, in this series that's going to be very intriguing for any of those who have ears to hear. Now, I titled this thing, Spiritual Osmosis, The Assimilation of the Church. Now, again, that sounds kind of fancy, but I'm going to have to explain that because I'm telling you, this is a warning to the church. This is a warning to the capital C corporate body of Messiah that's on the earth right now in 2021. I don't care if you're in America or if you're in any other country, if, if you're this denomination or that, if you consider yourself a part of Yahweh God's people, this is a message that I am convinced the church has got to hear right now. Right now. Full strength, full dose. 
with no hesitation or resistance to the hardness of it. Again, spiritual osmosis, the assimilation of the church. Now, what in the world am I talking about? We're going to read a ton of scriptures. This is, I believe, eight pages typed. About four pages of this is just going to be me reading scriptural text, the Bible. Very simple. It's going to help us Again, this is all about perception. This is all about being men of discernment. This is all about us setting ourselves apart in here and in here according to what we see and how we see it, and most importantly, how we perceive what we see. Are we spiritual men? Are we regenerated Christ men who are set that our vantage point will be the vantage point of the Father looking down upon the nations of men? As a what? A sojourner, a traveler, an alien, awaiting a country, awaiting a land where Yahweh has placed his name. Again, that, that series that we did is kind of the precursor for this right here. But we're going to take some things pretty deep. You're going to have to pay attention. Okay? What we're going to attempt to reveal is how the church has been subtly led astray without her even knowing it. Spiritual osmosis. And now where this began, I don't have time to go into all this. A a couple, if I can just say this in humility and submission, a couple dreams that I had um, in my prayer time in my basement by myself, in dialogues with my wife and with other believers right now in, in the body, I am convinced that the Father is saying what's in these pages right here to his church, to his people. So what in the world is this spiritual osmosis, okay? Osmosis, by definition, is a subtle or gradual absorption or mingling, okay? A slow absorption into something else, a mingling, a mixing, so that because I had this image in my head and I was, man, I spent a good amount of time as I was compiling this trying to find a word, even according to the dictionary, to fit what my spirit was sensing, to what I had in my imagination of like, I feel, I feel Holy Spirit saying to press into this, this image of the church now, the body of Messiah being absorbed into a one world religion ideal. And, and I'm going to say some words here that, that are probably going to be trigger words for many people. When you start saying things like, you're going to hear me say, Luciferian, we're going to have to talk about that and what that even means. One world order or religion. And we have the, all of us, have this preconceived ideas from a documentary we watched or from our crazy neighbor next door that maybe talks about conspiracies. All of us hear certain words. Ten people hear one word, 10 different opinions on what that word means. We have to understand that that is true, and that's what we're dealing with. And so for, for, for clarity's sake, we're going to have to explain these things. But imagine as we get started here to kind of set the table of what we're going to talk about in this series. Imagine, if you will, what you define as spiritual darkness. Okay? What is spiritual darkness to you? The devil demons, principalities, and powers, okay? What does your imagination see? What does your imagination see when I say imagine, use your imagination as if you were a child, 
spiritual darkness, the devil, demons, principalities, powers, the domain of darkness that the Bible always talks about, how we were delivered in Yeshua Messiah to leave the domain of darkness and move into a kingdom of what? Of light, of the sun. (laughs) S-O-N. What does your imagination see? Literally, I want to pause for just a moment because this is very pivotal from where we're going to go. So please take literally two seconds and do that. What do you envision? What do you imagine when you close your eyes and envision devil, demons, darkness, and principalities and powers in unseen places? What do you envision? Okay, presumably you have something in mind. Here's my question, and this is going to lay the groundwork of where we're going to move that is so vital for the church to understand her identity and what's going to be presented to her in days, weeks, months, maybe years, if we make it that long, ahead of us. Did you see anything in your imagination of this as something or someone full of light? Did you imagine light? Did you see anything desirable, beautiful even? Did you see anything attractive? Did you see anything alluring, anyone alluring to you? Did you you imagine darkness, devil, demons, principalities, and powers as something, oh, beautiful? Probably not. We're going to discuss this in full measure here as we go along because this is very important. We're going to discuss, because of what you probably just envisioned, now maybe there's some of you that envision a cherubim, a seraphim, a being of, 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 of creator's hand, Yahweh God's hand of, of creating a beautiful cherub. Now cherub, now even that, we've got to be careful because nine out of ten of you are imagining the chubby drawings of naked children with wings. Now we're not talking about that. We're talking about a biblical understanding of a cherubim, seraphim, okay? But the church as a whole now, now I have to speak, of course, to the Christian American evangelical church that I that I know well. I don't know about the global church. I don't know what the church in China is going through other than what I read. I don't know that. That's not my version, if you will, my experiential reality of the church right now. It's not. I'm in a nation where we're free to worship openly. It looks much different here. But I would say that the church as a whole here in Western civilization has been deceived by expecting the enemy to look a certain way, even when we view other men. Like we see in huge proportions right now, evil Democrats, Satanists, homosexuals, people who hate our preferred religion, presumably Christianity. The Western church has been drawn into to such deep measure. I'm the good guy, the church. Now we fight the bad guy. These scenarios, dark versus light. We're, of course, in the light. And these other figures are what? Moved by principalities and powers, darkness. But to get this started, and, and we're going we're gonna to take a little step out of, of what I'm hoping to present as a little intro here, is I believe our definition of 
good and evil are very wrong. They've been so they've been so conformed to what we've seen in movies. Think about how many movies we've watched where almost every single movie, what is it about? There's a good guy and there's a bad guy. There is a good character and he's taken out the bad guys. Or it's it's a, a horror film or a suspense thriller and the bad guy, now today more than ever, the bad guy wins out. Kills people, blood, gore, all these things that are entertainment for the common American Christian. Games, we won't even get into all these cultural issues, but we've been so... We've been deceived to believe this stuff is just normal, all fueled by what? Good guy, bad guy. How many times do you watch a film and there's something the bad guy's doing? And then the, the good guy comes in. Of course, you identify with the good guy. You're him. You identify with him. And what do you do? Get him. Get the bad guy. Get that bad guy, man. Right? Let's be honest. Now, even in sports, you got the villain kind of character. You've got the good guy. And the children stand on their chairs and cheer for the good guy. Down with the bad guy. And I'm telling you, that sounds really juvenile. But this really fuels a lot of the church's juvenile thinking. <laughs> good guy, bad guy thinking. But what if, the, what if the good guy is also the bad guy? You understand what I'm starting to, to, to just propose and put out here on the table? What if we've, what we've been told is the good is also part of the evil? We know in Scripture it's prophesied that in the last days which I'm going to start saying is right here, right now. They believe good is evil and evil is good. They call it. In other words, they see something, they perceive something. Those in this age, we see something evil and we call it, we name it, we brand it as good. And those things that are good, shh, evil, man. Opposing. Opposing God. But what if we've got these things backwards? Because again, this is a prophesied reality. We better be careful that we don't fall prey to this because I already see this all over the place. Now that the evil man is in power, oh, we're going to have to be careful dancing around that one. Don't want to step on every toe that you have on your feet. This good, good guy, bad guy scenario, we're going to come back to that in a little bit. But what I want to talk about, and we're going to read a ton of scripture now for the next X amount of minutes. And we're going to talk about a big word now. We talked about this a lot in the founding of this nation and how the literal cornerstone is Masonic and pagan and completely idolatrous from the very outset. The importance of cornerstone. We know the scripture tells us there is but one. Yeshua Messiah, Jesus the Christ, is the, capital T, capital H, capital E, cornerstone. Period. Anything else? The whole building is off. We know that's true. So we're going to talk about this big word for a few moments and read scriptures accordingly to the word foundations. Foundations as we talk about what? Spiritual osmosis, the assimilation of the church. Again, that I am going to begin to present to you, church, is it possible we, the corporate church, the representation of Yahweh God in a people right here, right now, have slowly been taken into what? An absorption and a mingling into a greater entity, dare we say, that we didn't even realize. That the church right now, she doesn't even know it. 
It's been so good, so subtle, so sweet, so beautiful. She's gone in and she doesn't even know she's in. We're going to make this point very clear, but foundations, we're going to talk about that for a few moments here. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. I'm just going to read all of these off of here. I've got too many references to, to go through my Bible. We're just going to read them off the paper here. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep. And he laid a foundation on the rock. And when there was a flood, the river burst against that house, and yet it could not shake it. Why? Because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and who has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river burst against it, and it immediately collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. Okay? Basic principle. Now be careful. I know we know these verses and don't check out mentally because you know them already. This is clear. Yeshua, Jesus, is telling us there's one foundation, and if you don't have it, you have no hope of standing. You have no hope of anything of any value that will remain in any increment whatsoever in this shaking that is now here if there's not a foundation. Think about the foolishness of building a home with no foundation in the natural. No man would ever attempt that for any reason justified as right sense ever. You would never do that. Likewise, we have to admit, though, many people, myself included for many years, attempted to build a house for God on bare ground. No foundation. No set foundation. Shaking came, it all crumbled down, just like this says, it immediately collapsed. Now, further on in Luke, Yeshua shows us that ones who do not give up everything for his sake are as ones who established a foundation without counting the cost, and thereby they walked away from building upon the foundation, because we're talking about there has to be a foundation, but if you don't count the cost to build upon the foundation, you build the foundation in vain. Your foundation is in vain. Again, let's use some simple, natural metaphor. If I'm going to build a house today, it makes no sense for me to budget how much it would cost for me to have a foundation poured, to lay a foundation. Because all of us have driven around what primarily in the country you see this is a home that was started and never completed. Why? Someone didn't count the cost, presumably. Someone didn't count the cost. Now, spiritually speaking, Yeshua is going to tell us here in Luke chapter 14, if you, if you lay the foundation but don't count the cost, there's no sense in doing the complete structure, if you will, because you're not prepared to do what it takes for the house to be established. This, I believe, is a verse that is quite revealing for, for the current status of the church today. Very few people are told, they're not informed, they're not properly taught and instructed of what counting the cost even means. You're just told you get Jesus, get him in your heart somehow, cram him in your heart, because he's knocking on there, right? That errant doctrine says just get Jesus in your heart and everything will be fine. It's off from the very outset, and there's no counting of the cost. It's all benefit. It's all advantageous for us. And that's not scripturally true. So Luke chapter 14, what does it say? 
Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to even complete it? Now see, we could hit the pause button right here and we could challenge heavy the, the mainstream Christian American doctrine that says if we just get people to the altar, if we can just get them saved, if we can just get them to the revival meeting, this is not what Yeshua says the goal is. The goal is not for commitments or decisions. This decision-based mentality of just get them to say they're sorry to God, get Jesus in their heart, and get them in some water, and we're done. There's no presentation, a rightful scriptural presentation, of the cost counting. And that's what Yeshua is warning against. Who would, who would do this without at first establishing that he even has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who are watching it will, be, will begin to ridicule him, saying, This person began to build and he was not even able to finish. What king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to face the one coming against him with 20,000? Otherwise, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation. He requests terms of peace. So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeshua is making it clear He's, I would say this is what he's saying. Look, if you're not willing to endeavor and do what the scripture says, those who will be saved are the ones who endure to the end, not the ones who make a decision when they're seven now, but when you endure to the end, you will be saved. He's saying, look, if you're not willing to go all the way to the end game of this, don't even bother. You're going to be, you're going to be shameful. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be an embarrassment to the faith because you didn't count the cost at the very foundational beginning. And because of that, I would say the building of the house of the church today, is. can we not say she's pretty embarrassing, shameful? I would say yes. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. Another is building on it. But each person must be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Yeshua Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become evident. For the day will show it, because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each one's work. I'm saying right here, right now, we are entering into a season, an age of fire. An age of trial. An age of tribulation. Now, if you're a rapturitist, escapism, doctrine guy, you're going to have trouble in the times that are right here upon us. As we often say, I believe... The, the great falling away, the leading um, astray of the elect is going to be primarily twofold. Those who are presuming they're going to be raptured and they won't be, and they're going to be here through trials, tribulations, struggles, strife, and those who have a nationalism-based identity, patriotic Christian Americans who will not let go of the Constitution and believe it above the law of Yeshua Messiah's 
instruction and Yahweh God's stamp of this is what my people do and don't do. I believe that's going to be the big divider or those two primarily. There's three, but we'll just mention those two uh, for the sake of time. Let's continue reading. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Now, to be clear, this is talking about when we come into the nation, the people of Yahweh Elohim, we're no longer just wandering about for no purpose. Now, we're sojourners with a purpose alongside God's people, along with Father Abraham, man. We're journeying, like we said, and clearly established, we're journeying into the future, awaiting a land, awaiting a promised inheritance that's before us. So you're not just wandering around as strangers and foreigners with no purpose and, and no identity. But now you instead, you're part of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Yeshua Messiah himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Again, we're laying a foundation of foundations. We are establishing there is a foundation. It's firm. It's set. It's eternal. It's from the Father. It's in the Father. And dare we say it is Him. It is He Himself that through the giving of His Son, He came, and we're going to talk about this later too, He was given to us as, a, as an identifiable God-man reality, a, a, an actual, an actual God-man living in flesh and blood, being a living cornerstone demonstration that we continually look back to as all of our instruction of how a man, a God-man now, walked keeping the perfect will of the Father to the letter. To the letter now, not to undo it and to establish a new religion, and that's coming too, but to identify as a man, a human being, fully executing the will of the Father. Okay, so let's move on. At the end of, of his letter to Timothy, Paul says some interesting parting remarks at the end. He says this, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to set their hope on the, insert, on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. God, who richly supplies us with all things, Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works. Do something, people. That's what he's saying. Man, haven't we all been in gatherings, or maybe we're in one right now, who knows, where you don't do anything. Don't do anything. It's all about the finished work of Jesus. Don't do works. Don't do the law. That's bondage. <laughs> Even though we're not told anywhere that that's what that is, in fact. It's kind of ironic. Instead, instruct them to... Be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Now, down in um, it's verse 20, he, he kind of culminates with this, closes the door on this letter. Timothy, protect what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. Oh boy, we're going to get to this one. I'm going to read this again. Now, again, 
filter this into today, present moment, all this stuff. Everybody wants to, wants to know knowledge. Everybody wants to know the secrets behind the scenes. And, oh, did you watch that? Yeah, I do this all the time. I know, but I can't help myself. Did you get that YouTube video I sent you? Oh, no, it was taken down from YouTube. It was banned. Oh, well, let me send you a hidden file link that you download and nobody can trace it and nobody knows it's true because if it gets out, they're going to they're gonna come after us. <laughs> There's such a buzz around this right now in the body of Messiah. blows my mind that all these, hey, psst, psst, hey, <laughs> have you seen this? <laughs> it's so hilarious. Friends, I'm telling you, the deception, the deceit, the evil, it's in plain sight now. It's in plain sight. Don't get so worried about everything that's, oh my gosh, this is funny. I lost my place. Timothy, protect, protect what has been entrusted to you. Avoid worldly empty chatter. Pause. Pause for a emotional effect. Avoid empty chatter. Avoid worldly chatter. And the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and thereby have gone astray from the faith. Man, was this written last week? <laughs> no. Man, the word of God is alive. It's for our good. Paul continues in his second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. The firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who names the name of the Lord is to keep away from wickedness. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver implements, but also implements of wood and of earthenware. Some are for honor, others for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will become an implement for honor, sanctified, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, Flee from youthful lusts, pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they only produce quarrels and fighting. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, skillful in teaching patient when wronged, with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps Yahweh may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. They think they have knowledge, but our patience, our kindness, our skillful teaching, our desire to not be quarrelsome in faith and love, refusing foolish and ignorant fighting, this might cause them to come to true knowledge of the truth. And they may come to their senses, and they may escape from the snare of the devil, having been captive by him to do his will. Friends, this might be for us. This verse might be for us. I don't know where we fall in this. Probably both sides. We might be the ones who need this correction. We, we might need the ones who need to hear this and then do it and rightly respond to the ones who need, need the correction. Applicable in either case to the utmost. Hebrews chapter 11. Heard this one lately? <laughs> this was all over our last 
13-part series. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, he obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he left, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as a stranger in the land of promise. As in a foreign land, he lived in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Now, we're going to bring this part here to a close. But friends, there is one architect and builder, one foundation, okay? Yeshua Messiah, the foundation, period. This world and its patterns has blatantly, and more, more importantly, as, as blatant, this is, this is complicated, it's clear what, what the patterns of the world, religions, this one world religion that you are going to maybe see in a way you have not seen before in this series. Because it's blatant and obvious, if you have eyes to see, if you've seen it, then you see it everywhere. The dark and light reality. If you've seen it, but you, you can't see it until you've seen it, if that makes sense. How's that for complicated? <laughs> you won't see it until it's revealed to you. It's so subtle. And it, is, it has advanced in the church, and she has no idea. She has no idea. She thinks that by doing all the nationalism-based traditions of Christian America, she is good. She's light. She's clear. She's free. She's what? We just read it. I believe this is applicable. I believe she's saying, where is that? Knowledge. I don't have time to find it. She thinks she's in knowledge, the church. She's been duped to believe she's the one who possesses the knowledge and everybody else that whoever they individually deem evil, bad, they are the ones who don't have knowledge, but we possess knowledge. Now, this is very clear that post-repentance, true knowledge of the truth comes. Where's repentance? It's coming. It's coming to those who are willing. But again, to bring this part to an end, many things have come and replaced the architect and builder of the foundation of the present moment church here in 2021. You may not see it. You may not believe it. But I'm going to tell you and I'm going to show you something that you will have to, to individually examine and corporately examine. Man, have we been deceived? Have we been deceived about, have we been calling something evil good? Yes. Yes. And we're going to reveal that in upcoming parts in this series. Ancient deities have infiltrated every crack and crevice of the world, and the church has been what? Assimilated into the worldly religious pattern. The one world religion that is not coming, friends, it's not coming. It's not coming. It's here. It's here now. And the, the Christian church has been sucked into it, and she has no idea. She has no idea. Now, we're going to highlight points that, that, that I believe prove this, that you will have the opportunity to decide. Is this true? We're going to make these points one by one by one as we go, using Scripture 
using examples of the church. <coughs> Spiritual osmosis, the assimilation of the church. Again, now what is this? This is a subtle and gradual absorption and mingling. And I'm telling you, as we move ahead, you're going to see clearer and clearer is my prayer for whoever will listen that the church has been enveloped into a one-world religion, and she doesn't even know it. She thinks she's right. She thinks she's light. Let's make some rhymes here. She thinks she is the light. Good guy getting the bad guy, which, which man, don't even get me started on all this warrior-esque imagery and verbiage of the church right now. Everywhere you look, we can't take it. Don't take it. Stand up. Fight. 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 And I'm saying a word of warning to the church who's ready to fight. You better know who you're fighting against because you might be on the losing team. You might be on the side of evil and darkness and you don't even know it because what is the pattern we're going to establish in the next part? I don't want to get to it. I'll have to leave you hanging on that one. You're going to want to know because it's possible we've been deceived. It's not possible. It's a sure thing. But it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to shake off the slumber and see. Because like I already said, now that sounds kind of silly, but it's very profound. Until you see, you're not going to see. Until the scales fall. What happened to Shaul on the road? He had scales that were prohibiting from prohibiting him from seeing Yeshua Messiah. Now, what was he doing? He was actually a, a, an opponent of Yeshua himself. Fully convinced he's carrying out the will of God. Fully convinced, man. The teacher of teachers. The executor of God's justice against the followers of the way. But he has an encounter. Pre-encounter? Didn't see it. Didn't have any idea. Encounter with the king. Scales fall from his eyes as he's blinded. What happens? Shaul, why? Have you been persecuting me, not my church, me? You've been my opponent. Shaul makes a decision right then and there. He hits the ground. He realizes. And then he sees. And everything is different from there. Friends, this has to happen to the church. This has to happen to the church. And I believe it's right here. It's right here, friends. It's right here. As we talk about spiritual osmosis. The assimilation of the church. You've been watching the Path to Zion podcast. We are rediscovering the ancient way. Find us online 24-7 at pathtozion.com. Send us an email, won't you? We're having people reach out to us. We're meeting people in person, and it's stinking awesome. The church is coming alive, friends. Now, it's a remnant. It's a small amount, but there are people waking up and saying, I've been deceived. I've been part of the problem. Friends, we all have to get to that place. All of us have to get to that place of just willingly admitting we have been on the wrong team. Didn't even know it. It's a beautiful thing. It's happening all over the place. I'm thankful that we're a tiny part of it. Share this video if you believe it's something that is worth sharing with anyone else. Thank you for watching. We'll be back with part two right after this. Amen.